Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention, Bechtel cast listeners. It's me, Caitlin, and... And me, Jamie. And guess what? <gasps> what? Wait, should we say it together? One, two, three. We're, We're going, going on, on tour. tour. That'll sink in the <laughs> ad eventually. <laughs> Imagine that, but with more enthusiasm, because we're very excited. We haven't gone on tour in three human years. That's 21 Mm -hmm. dog years. Wow, that's so true. I I am really good at math. So, And put a pin in dog, because that's going to come back in a few seconds. But for now, we're going to just tell you some preliminary facts about the tour. Yeah. It's on the west coast of the United States. So we're going... Sorry, everyone else. So we're starting in Los Angeles. Ever heard of it? With a show on January 26th at the Elysian Theater. The movie... Get ready. And that's where the dog comes back in because it's. And it is a dog coming of age movie. It is a, a goofy, goofy movie. movie. We've get, been getting requests from this for, <laughs> since the beginning, and it's finally time to cover a goofy movie. Mm-hmm. We can't wait. Uh, a coming of age dog movie. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Then. We are going to be scooting, uh, scooting on up on foot, I believe. Caitlin and I will be hiking. <laughs> yes. All that's why there's a bit of a gap all the way to San Francisco uh-huh. for San Francisco Sketch Festival. We've done it before. If you've been before, come out again. That's on February first. And where is that, Caitlin? That's at the Gateway Theater in San Francisco, and we are covering George oh, of the banner. Jungle. Sorry, sorry, sorry. George, 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 George of the Jungle. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> then guess what? We are continuing to scoot on up to on Portland, foot. Oregon. We will be at Curious Comedy Theater, another theater we love. We're doing two shows in Portland. The first is with the wonderful Sarah Marshall of You Are Wrong About and You Are Good. We're going to be covering mm. the Goonies. Yes. And then at 9 p.m., Caitlin, what? To, tell me more. <laughs> okay. Nine p- also, this is on February 2nd. 
Oh shit, did I not say that? Groundhog Day, but oh, yeah. don't think about the movie Groundhog Day because that has nothing to do with our tour. We covered that. We did it already. Sorry, bitch. <laughs> Six years ago. Okay, so first show is at 7 p.m. with Sarah Marshall, The Goonies. Second show is at 9 p.m. It is a surprise mystery guest and a surprise Ooh. mystery movie. Hello? <gasps> it's going to be a banger. I'm very excited. Come to one, come to both. Come to both. None of my business. But it'll, it'll be, be different, different, different shows. And then finally, we are scooting on up, continuing our journey on foot yeah. <laughs> to Seattle. <laughs> and on February 5th, we're doing a show at Laughs Comedy Club. And we are covering the, the Goonies, Goonies again, because guess what? It's hard work to do a tour and it's a lot to do a bunch of different movies so well if yeah it's we're doing pacific northwest classics Uh, yeah and so if you're in seattle come on up for for the goonies in seattle and yeah we're really excited to go we're really excited to see everybody again um we will have merch for you we sell exclusive posters and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that designed by jamie the one and only designed by mrs jamie herself yeah, we can't wait to see you and hang out. And uh, it's been 84 years since. It's been 84 years. It really makes you think. So what you're going to do is go to our link tree, uh-huh. which is, it's always so weird to say the link of link tree because it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Bechtelcast. And that's where each of the ticket links will be to buy tickets for our shows. We love you so much. We're really excited. Uh, get your tickets now because they are actually genuinely going fast. Usually when I say that, I'm lying, but this time I'm really not. This time it's true. And uh, yeah, brag. Our tickets are yeah. moving fast. So you're going to want to grab them soon. All right. And uh, we'll see you there, West Coast. See you there. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Ho, 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 Jamie. No, you can't say that anymore. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Christmas is problematic. I forgot. It's me, the woke mob. I'm offended. <laughs> Cut that out. I'm pissed. No, you know what? what? The war on Christmas has lasted long enough, and oh. I won't stand for it. Okay, fine. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Retire? <laughs> Maybe I will. Ugh, this, this, in many ways, I feel like the, the piece of media we're discussing today is just like so beautifully, profoundly American, because it's just a long-winded way of telling a man he can never retire. <laughs> It's not going to be possible. And in fact, it would be morally wrong to retire. Yeah. Jeff Bezos wouldn't be a good Santa. So you can never retire <laughs> is my takeaway. That is exactly what this show is about. This, welcome to the Bechtel cast. My name is Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante. And this is our show where we examine usually movies. But guess what we're doing today for the very first time in Bechtel cast yeah. history we said we'd never do it, but we're like, we're not going to cover TV. We just, we don't have the time. It's too time consuming. And we won't be moving forward, except there's already been a season two picked up. <laughs> but what were we going to do? Not cover the Santa Clauses? What are we, five years old? Of course, we're going to cover the Santa Clauses. It's important that we do so. It's critical. Yes. 
I, I feel like we don't even need to explain what the Bechtel test is today because this show passes it with flying colors anyways. So I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> I'm not even It's not even an issue. About it. Yeah. And this show kind of transcends themes. It's it's kind of a tone poem, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> definitely what I said in the pitch. There's so wait, can we let's let's unpack this. Let's let's get our guest in the room because Caitlin and I, full disclosure didn't come in with all the information right because which is wow because grace we're very close and i just thought like you would have told me well i've I've just i've been really you know busy it's hard making a tv show (laughs) yeah is it okay let's i have so many questions but okay okay so let's introduce our guest you know our guest from our episodes on the santa claus one two and three and Although we did record it one, three, and two for some reason, right? Right, right, right. Never forget. <laughs> yeah. And in a surprise twist that we just found out about, the other major credit for our guest is that she is the head writer of the Santa Clauses. It's Grace Freud. What the fuck? Yeah, uh, it was an incredible experience. I am really proud of what we made together. And... <laughs> It's been magical right from the go. Yeah. When I met Tim for the first time, I say, hi, I'm Grace. And he says, Greg? I say, no, oh, Grace. Tim. He says, "Tim, Grace? I say, yeah, Grace. He says, Are you Grace? I said, yeah, Grace. He goes, oh, Tim. yeah. I say, yeah, Grace. He says, okay. And I think the comedic wonder of that conversation Mm. It really shines through at every moment of the show. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I would say I'm surprised to hear that it, things went that naturally to begin with, but it really it really comes forth in, in the work. The work is just yeah, unbelievable. I mean, it kind of yeah. speaks for itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it was very humbling mm-hmm. to work with Tim because he was so impressed by my capabilities as a writer and a comedian mm. that uh, he couldn't look me in the eyes. Well, oh. He never once looked me in the eyes. Oh. Uh, and I took that to be... In a nice way. You know, I was, I was honored to work with him, mm-hmm. but he was so honored to work with me, mm-hmm. it's like he was almost afraid to be around me. And wow. that that was incredible. But yeah, I th- I'm I'm really proud of what we made together. I mean, I would say in awe. Probably, I mean, that's how I'm interpreting that is just an absolute yeah. awe because it's like you know he he's a mere cocaine felon. You know, like mm-hmm. he's he can't do what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I tell stories with words, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Famously, and Tim tells stories with noises like. <laughs> Uh, or, um, uh. you know he's not great at saying words but he's so good at a grunt mm-hmm. he's basically the the cary grant of grunts <laughs> and it was an honor to work with him wow uh and it's an honor to talk about this continuation of a universe i so love Aww. uh mm-hmm. on this podcast and it was interesting how you said it passes the Bechtel test because it 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 does, mm-hmm. but that's the reason I've been fired 
Oh no. Going into season two. Oh my, you're not coming back? Well, I'm coming back in a slightly different role. Mm. Okay. Which I'll, I can talk more about later. Whoa. Wait, you were fired because you made the the show pass the Bechdel test too much? or It wasn't supposed to? Yeah, it wasn't supposed to. Uh, <laughs> really, pretty much Tim's I see. only request was for it to not pass the Bechdel test. Uh-huh. Please don't let women talk to each other. If you, if you remember, the third Santa Claus film... Mm-hmm does in fact pass the Bechdel test. That's uh, why he yes. didn't do do anymore for so long. He was so mad about that. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I honestly was surprised. I thought that El Camino Christmas was going to be kind of the new direction, but when that didn't get a sequel, shockingly. Well, and he dies at the end, so... Yeah, but he could have come back. He, well, that's he, he could have come back as Santa Claus, maybe. It's true. The lore is there. Um, Grace, the thing is, like, what we didn't realize, we didn't know that you were the head writer when we started preparing for this episode. So I feel like the tone of our notes, I guess I just want to, like, say everything we have is constructive. And I'm sure that you have, like, an answer for everything. And so, Mm -hmm. like, I guess I'm just now feeling very insecure about kind of the tone of my notes. I I don't think you should feel that way at all i think any piece of powerful art (laughs) is going to have just as powerful of a response wow it's true and to me this is a symposium Mm. wow i'm sorry do you mean something like sant posium santa posium which is the exact type of joke that you consistently wrote into the show yeah. Oh, those I did not write those jokes. You didn't. Oh, I see. Okay. Sorry. I didn't write. In fact, none of our writers wrote those jokes. Who did? Who wrote the jokes? Well, Tim had a friend uh, on set <laughs> oh. that, uh-huh. um, <laughs> as far as we can tell, uh-huh. has no comedy, film, or television experience. <laughs> mm. Where do you meet? Where do you meet Tim? How do they know each other? From what I could understand. Uh-huh. This man knew Tim from uh, some sort of, uh, what did they call it? Uh, Blood Gambit? Uh, Oh, Oh, I see. I believe that at some point in the past few years, Tim lost a wager. And now this man has final cut on all of Tim's projects. I see. That's shocking to hear, but also, you know, Tim, I, I I get it. You know, Tim's got to do what Tim's got to do. Mm. It's just, it's a challenging piece, I will say. let's. I would actually like to start with, like, a compliment. Just, like, top of my head, one of my favorite jokes. Mm. Uh, so, Caitlin, I mean, I know that you're going to have trouble kind of, you know, parsing out what, what joke is the best, you oh, know? sure. But I, I, I think that my favorite joke was before one of the many astronomically expensive music cues that appear in this television show. Uh, This one's right before uh, Eye of the Tiger. And I believe, and and Grace, correct me if I'm not quoting this uh, well, Scott Calvin says something like, it's actually Eye of the Santa Tiger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. Eye of the Tiger starts. One of, I think, the most expensive music cues Mm -hmm. that you could do, but it just seems like, it just had to happen that way. And I was like, I was on the floor. Oh. Yeah, I um decided to sacrifice my salary so we could have that 30-second sequence wow. set to Eye of the Tiger. I didn't get I end up getting paid a cent 
for this job because of that. That's now who had to give up their uh, their salary for girls just want to have fun. Who was on the <laughs> chopping block for that one? Oh, I stopped paying the I stopped paying all of the writers' assistants. Wow. For that, that was a me choice though. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They wanted to be paid, but I. <laughs> Well, it's kind of so that's not very Christmas spirity of them. So what I'm learning is that you became a bit like Cal Penn's character in this show. Not at all. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because I would say that Cal Penn's character, who does not have a name, uh, we refer to him as Cal Penn's character <laughs> yeah. um, in the show, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, to the point where Cal Penn says at one point, Cal what a cool name. <laughs> yes. That's the line that I think is really going to get us an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That was for an Emmy. <laughs> well, don't forget the part where there's like a smoke monster. I think it's in episode six. And then Carol, who was famously in Lost, mm-hmm. is like, I think I've seen one of these before because there was famously a smoke monster in Lost. Wow. I got to tell you, that went right over my head. Our metrics show that most... You know, this was targeted to kids between 5 and 11. And our metrics show that mm-hmm. most kids have seen Lost. <laughs> and uh, get that joke. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and love know it, but Yeah, that's why the two big things for elementary school age kids right now are Lost and Harold and Q Martin movies. So, uh, oh, I thought, oh, that's they like they watch Harold and Q Martin. I was wondering if they just really loved former Obama staffers. I didn't know if that was like where they knew Cal Penn from, mm. Harold and Q Martin or the Obama administration. Oh, actually, yeah, we're hoping they don't find out about that because we're finding that. A lot of kids those age, their politics are kind of more like Romney Republican, you know, like stand against Trump, but Mm -hmm. also, you know, essentially Mormon. Mormonism is really popular with elementary school kids now, too. And I think you see that in the show. I mean, really? Because basically the mythology of how Santa works Mm-hmm. is essentially the Book of Mormon. <laughs> you can track it like point for point. Huh. So we kind of wow. rip, ripped them off, but lovingly. Sure. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that like, was I a little tyrannical in the room? Yeah. Oh, did I, I wasn't going to ask that. Did I fire a few people? Yeah. Well, that's why I'm saying you were like Cal Penn's character. He'd be... And he's also anti-union. It's well, okay, but I okay. So I did that. Stop all of that stuff to get into the mind of Cal Penn's character. Uh, Sure, but I was not. That is not like Cal Penn's character at all, because he would never walk the walk. You know, like he doesn't walk the walk of Santa. I walked the walk of Cal Penn's character, so I could walk the walk of being a good showrunner and writing a good piece (laughs) of, of television. Uh-huh. And I really like to think of it as a movie mm-hmm. that has been broken up into episodes that each have their own beginning, middle, and ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's three hours long. Mm-hmm. Avatar 2 is three hours long. It's an Avatar's worth of the Santa Claus. Why can't... Um, if you need proof that there's a war on Christmas, mm-hmm. it's the fact that Avatar The Way of Water is being called a movie... But the Santa Claus is, is not being called a work of film. It's reduced to television. Yeah, that's it, it will not even be considered right. 
for the Academy Ugh. Awards. Ugh. The Academy won't even consider the Santa Clauses. For best picture? For best picture, for best screenplay, for <laughs> best direction, best for best lead actor. Special effects. Yeah, all, all of all. Of, is there a music? Is there is there a, is there a best callback music montage category at the Oscars? <laughs> no. Oh, probably because Christmas movies usually do that best every year. Mm-hmm. It really is. The Academy is like. I mean, we know the Academy is like really fucked up, but the fact that it's like you know that the um, the nominations are going to come out and there's going to be. Like, not even for Crouton are we going to be seeing a nomination, Mm -hmm. which at very least it's like Crouton's performance is above, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it doesn't even matter if if the work is good, which it is. But like what Crouton brings, Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. Best supporting elf is what that character deserves. Yeah. Not even a category. I just don't understand what, you know, take like everything everywhere all at once. Mm. It's a it's a film that people love in large part because it's about, you know, the cycle of like trauma and, mm-hmm. you know, intergenerational trauma and being immigrants and, and queerness. And that's exactly what the Santa Claus is, is about. <laughs> this is a family yeah. who's immigrated to the North Pole mm-hmm. dealing with the intergenerational trauma of that. <laughs> yep. And, you know, the daughter is queer. Mm. because she thinks horses are sexy or something. Oh, Grace, I have a question about that. <laughs> um, How did you cast the voice for the reindeer that says, you're my best friend, just like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how did you find, what was the casting process like for that? Surely that wasn't scratch audio, right? That was... Yeah, that was actually a pretty, <laughs> a pretty long process. Oh, okay. Because... In my plans for season two, uh-huh. who knows if, if they'll go with them, mm-hmm. but in my plans for season two, that reindeer, Steve, was going to be the villain. So oh. we actually cast, It's he has the spirit of John Wayne Gacy in him. Oh. So we actually cast someone. Context is key. To okay. have like a scary serial killer John Wayne Gacy voice. Mm-hmm. And... We took that seriously because, you know, John Wayne Gacy caused real harm to real people. Yeah. So when you when you cast someone to play him, whether as a human or as a ghost living inside of a reindeer, <laughs> you have to respect that and find an actor who can really embody that character. And we so we we went with Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, oh, you got him! Wow. Oh, because wow, he. I mean, he did. He did OJ. He was OJ. Yeah, and he was he was available, and he's done <laughs> a lot of bad stuff, much like John Wayne Gacy. But yeah, no regrets on that. I think he did a kill. kill he, he, I think he really did a great job. I just I just have one more question before we get into the recap because it's kind of going on that theme now. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a pedestrian viewer. I, you know, I, I'm mm. not much of an art house gal, so this it's very possible that this is just I'm just operating thoroughly out of my wheelhouse mm. here. But in the final episode, Sandra opens a closet door and begins speaking to something. I was pretty afraid of, of this creature. You know, you could tell it was computer generated, and it kind mm-hmm. of like kind of talked like this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you? What was? What was that? That was not computer generated at all. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow. I am so us. embarrassed right now. No, it's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Disney has been working on creating special creatures and and beasts. Oh, they're like genetically engineering. That are, new yeah, they're animals. genetically engineering oh, new animals to <laughs> be in their films for when like they're worried that the CGI artists are are unionizing. So right. instead mm-hmm. of give you know meeting their demands, paying them the extra ten mil or whatever it would cost on mm-hmm. any given project, they've decided to spend upwards of a hundred billion dollars trying to just genetically engineer every any given creature they would they would need to cgi into uh into a film or a tv show mm-hmm. which is why disney's it's about it's about god it's 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 yeah it's it's about it's the they're i think their move is to use these creatures to rise up and take control of the economy Oh, okay. I don't know what other move they have because God, they've gotten really good at making these things, but boy, did it cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But this sounds a little crass, but I just feel like that creature could have gone through another couple of drafts. I found it very unsettling, but it looked very strong. I will say, it looked very, very. I, I'm confident it could have killed me. Yeah, uh, we call that a piss slip. Oh. The scientists name it. The scientists are very crass. <laughs> Oh. They don't really have the Disney spirit. Um, Nor the creativity that someone like you, no. the head writer of this show, has. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to pick, by the way. Really? Uh, they just gave me one. I was like, we want to have <laughs> oh, you, a little so creature. So you have and... one it's like a, as a pet? Oh, we put it down. Uh, (laughs) okay i was worried because what if it just kicked the door no hi no we put it we put that we put that little bugger down yeah Um, what the fuck was that i want to help sandra but did it even come back in the episode did i black out like i think does it come back it it helped find the coat kind you know the the great thing about the search for the coat was that they no one really had to do it, anything. And to then find all of a sudden it was just there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, that was, I think, a real stroke of genius. My favorite part about the coat was when it was crawling for its life <laughs> when yeah. it was dying. Oh, yeah. Suddenly it's a sentient, or is it a sentient? Sentient. Coat. There you go. Someone might have just gotten a job on season two. Oh. Um, if you're hiring jealous. I will still be hiring and running the show but uh kind of from the shadows um <laughs> I'll be I've been demoted to shadow showrunner sure sure but uh I did an initial interview for it and oh I don't know if we need an interview with you Jamie um I just feel like oh that's fine you know you just haven't been quite bringing the pun game <laughs> that we really need I was mm. just gonna say I was like you know I I I heard, you know, because people talk. I heard that Santa Claus season two might want to be using sympathy for the devil uh, for no reason in episode three. Mm-hmm. And I would be willing to forsake my 364 days pay to make that possible, you know, if that would be helpful. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me think about that. I, 
Yeah, I okay. think we're going to be using Sympathy for the Devil in most episodes. Oh. And uh, it's actually, a lot of season two is going to be an exploration of the Coates trauma. Oh, mm-hmm. see, and and that I think is a really worthwhile. That's a story that we want told. Okay, <laughs> you know, I then actually respectfully, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull myself out of the running. It it would feel wrong to take up space when the coat, you know, yes. right there. Yes. Yeah. Well, do you own a coat? Do I, I I do I do own a coat, and I was you know clinging to it for dear life, and I've sort of been reevaluating my relationship to the coat, realizing I've lost mm-hmm. a coat before. And, and, you know, where where did it end up? Did it end up in Cal Penn's clutches? You know, it's just sort, sort of been a whole journey. But, yeah, I know I have a lot of coat experience, if that's what you're uh, asking. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Literally no pressure. Well, while you ponder that, shall I do the recap? Oh, yeah. I, I'd sure love to see you try. <laughs> I'm going to try my damnedest. It's dense. Uh, but before we before I get into it, let's take a quick break. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. And we're back. All right. All right. Now, Grace, so. if you have any, uh, you know, notes or insights, feel free to to let us know, you know, kind of as we're going, because I just like this is such a behind the scenes treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, it's difficult to recap the Santa Clauses because it's not only a tone poem, but it's kind of like an impressionistic visual work. Mm-hmm. I really have my work cut out for me. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. I'm going to go episode by episode. 
So Could you say the episode titles too? Because oh. I have a question right away, which is why is the first episode called Good to Ho? <laughs> well why is it called good to hoe grace do you have any insight we, it, it's because <laughs> i gasped it's basically what happened is we had to cut a subplot that oh. would have dealt with really tastefully despite the term uh-huh. in the title it would have really tastefully dealt with like it was mostly about like reindeer sex work in the north pole Oh, okay. And so I wasn't aware. And so while that that that's a derogatory term, it was in there because some of the characters were using it, and then by the end of the episode, learned, oh, that's not good for me to do. That's interesting because I I mean that's actually helpful because what remains is a little baffling because in that the space of that episode you know you see the the episode titled Good to Ho and you you're in your mind you're like this show is for five to eight year olds why would they title why would they title that for adults you know and then later in the episode uh, an elf who's a doctor has the same phrase written on a tape measure yeah right yeah yeah and again I think. Before we took out this, like, really thought-provoking subplot, a lot of that would have made sense. And, in fact, I think taking I out that subplot makes a lot of this... Like, I think that's my biggest re- regret um, of what we of <laughs> okay. did on this show. Mm-hmm. Mainly because yeah. when you're re-watching it, you know, which I'm sure you will... Very rewatchable. Whenever you see a reindeer... Doesn't that reindeer look like it's just came? And because we got off out the subplot, you're my best friend. We, yeah, we don't, you know. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> that's what we, I say every time after I come. That's usually what I will say. <laughs> yeah, because we cut out that subplot, we we don't show the reindeers fucking at all. Yeah, but the reindeers are acting like. When Steve says you're my best friend, the, one of the reasons he says it's so weird, it's not just the ghost of John Wayne Gacy, played by Cuba Gooding Jr. It's also because, oh, he's tired. He's been going at it. Yeah. He's huffing and puffing. Wow. It's true. Wow. And what? just uh, mm. one last thing before. I didn't find this out for the entire time I was watching all Avatar's worth of this. Um, Sandra is played by Tim Allen's actual daughter. Yeah. Oh, did not realize that either. Yeah. Yes. Okay. They met on set. <laughs> well, I think we have all the information we need, all the context we need to to dive in. So, episode one, good to hoe. Uh, it's Christmas Eve. You know it. Santa, Scott Calvin Santa, who we know and love from the first three movies, mm-hmm. he's out delivering gifts with his elf friend, Noel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reflects on how it's been 28 years since he's been Santa Claus. But oh no, his Santa magic falters a bit. Mm-hmm. He returns to the North Pole. We meet head elf Betty and some of the other elves. Who looks like Cara Delevingne got hit with a shrink ray. It, yes. Mm. Oh, my God. She looks like baby Cara Delevingne. I know she's also in Station Eleven, but I haven't seen that show. So I thought baby Cara Delevingne. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <clears throat> so also, maybe first woman head elf ever. Progressive. Tim could not is, have been happy about so that. So, like, can, can you just consider, consider that? 
Uh, yeah. Going, like, if you just, like, remember that, that we yeah. did that. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah. It was good. So she and some of the other elves and Mrs. Claus are all concerned about Santa's magic and how it isn't working properly. Mm-hmm. That's the woke mob. Is that, I mean, that was, I assume it was political correctness was taking away from the magic of, of, of Scott's Christmas. Right. Well, You've seen the end of the of the season, mm. which very clearly doesn't answer what was happening, and we did that intentionally. like it's the jacket, it's the witch, it's the orb. You really mm. can't say we were saying political correctness was was doing that to Santa's magic because the ending is so intentionally unclear that it just. <laughs> You just simply can't say that. And that's how you get a second season, honey. Exactly. Answering no questions. Yeah. The second season isn't going to deal with that at all. But yes, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they think that this loss of Christmas magic is happening because not enough children around the world believe in or need Santa Claus anymore. So Santa is like, well, I guess I better work harder to try to be a better Santa, mm-hmm. and I need to gain weight. And so there's a whole montage of him trying to gain weight and do some other things to try to be a better Santa. It's more like I have the Santa Tiger. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think notably, you know, we had Santa crack a couple of eggs, of raw eggs, into mm-hmm. a glass, and then pour them mm-hmm. over a bunch of candy and chocolate in a blender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty funny. I loved that. I mean, that was very that's funny. A visual storytelling. That was really, really funny. That's comedy. I mean, that is, I think, a joke that is just kind of in the American lexicon. <laughs> uh, yeah, now it is. From now on. Hard yeah. agree. Yeah, hard agree. Yes. So we see this montage where he's trying to be a better Santa, which is mostly him eating candy. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is all happening as the year passes and we approach the next Christmas. Also, Santa and Mrs. Claus have two kids, their son, Cal, a.k.a. Buddy Calvin Claus, who was he born in one of the movies? He was. Yeah, he was okay. born at the end <laughs> of santa claus three santa claus three okay right gotta give carol something to do Mm -hmm. as tim would say (laughs) so there's cal buddy Mm -hmm. and then there's also their daughter sandra so the next christmas rolls around santa is not excited about christmas as he used to be the spirit is just in general down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. meanwhile cal penn whose name is something like simon simon something I think it's Simon Choksi. Yes. Um, but he's he's kind of a he's kind of a Jeff Bezos type. But and Grace, I thought this was a really, really smart choice. What if we were rooting for Jeff Bezos as if he was an underdog? And I had yeah. never thought of it that way, and now I feel so freaking bad for things I've said over the years. How dare you? Yeah, it's it's um so bad. Really, I think with the character of Cal Penn's character. And again, you guys made up yeah. the name for him on the spot. We, ne- uh, we never gave him a name. <laughs> we wanted to do kind of like a spoken word, mm. but it, with visuals <laughs> of where 
capitalism is at in our country right now. Mm-hmm. And I think what we say is it's at a pretty good place. Yeah, well, I think we can all agree with that. And I'm sure that, you know, the Calpens of the world need to say sorry. The Cal- the Calpens character of the world need... Yeah, I, I think that's really true. I think, you know, there's so many things happening. It's like, oh, he runs this big company that has 6% of the market share, mm-hmm. which seems a lot of the market. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, like, made a bunch of successful video games, but now he wants to be Amazon... Amazon still exists in this world too, mm-hmm. and everyone's yeah. ma- and apparently he has to go to a venture capital firm to get more funds, <laughs> even though he's already very successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his daughter it doesn't seem like she goes to school. It seems like she goes to the venture capital firm. Yeah, yes, as well. She's his assistant. Yeah, yeah, yes. And I think that <laughs> raises a lot of questions. I think everything mm-hmm. I just said raises a lot of questions, and I think mm-hmm. America should ask themselves the questions mm-hmm. and provide the answers themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that will help us as a country find our soul again. If I agree. Yeah. I, 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 I have hubris. <laughs> if, if I provided a, the, the answers to these questions about Calpen's character, mm-hmm. I would basically be saying, this is what's wrong and this is how to fix the economy. That's not your responsibility. And I don't know how to do that. And it's such a classic Christmas tale, you know, to really quickly and automatically forgive the ostensible villain of the story by just reminding people that he had a dead, not just a dead wife, but a dead wife who existed in an entirely different aspect ratio as the yes. rest of the show. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. yes. She exists in I'm full screen. I'm glad you noticed but that. But Calpen's modern life <laughs> is glad you noticed screen. that. Was that one of your creative <laughs> choices, Grace? Yeah, I went into <laughs> iMovie right before we put that episode up, and I, I changed it real quick <laughs> right before it went live. Yeah. I think you could have gone... Ken Burns, but I, I I appreciated the the artistic choice. Yeah, <laughs> if that whole scene was in Ken Burns' effect, that would be so fun. <laughs> Just slowly oh, zoom. I, I think of the uh, a, a, another great thing we were able to do with that character is you're supposed to root for him up until all of a sudden he's the most evil man to ever be in the North Pole. But then at the and end, then you're supposed to root for him again, <laughs> and. <laughs> That is much like life. And that's just good writing, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Cal Penn, he's the CEO of an Amazon-like company called Everything Now. But the company is in trouble because of their system of delivering packages uh, being really shitty. And they have bad drones. Bad drones, And yes. when the drones go to the North Pole, they have guns and they're good they're like very competent drones Mm -hmm. Uh, which is i just thought that was a fun callback to um the aggressive militarization that scott calvin put in place in the north pole because it wasn't extremely militarized before scott you know Mm -hmm. uh was not elected took control Mm -hmm. wrested control of the north pole he does you know run a bit of a tight ship up there and he's you know the elves are militarized always have been and, uh, you know, now we've outsourced that work to the drones. And I think that that's really um, responsible. <laughs> I mean, and- art imitating life much? Yeah. Um, okay, so then the episode ends oh, on uh, the following Christmas Eve. Santa is out delivering gifts, but he falls off of a roof. And maybe 
he's dead. <gasps> that was, again, just a really alarming way to end the pilot episode is by killing <laughs> Tim Allen. Okay. Not that I was upset. Here's what I, here's the direction I thought the show was going to go in. So, Grace, maybe you have an explanation for why what was clearly being set up never ends up happening. Where So there's a moment in episode one that I didn't mention, but Cal Penn, he's like all stressed out because his company sucks. He goes outside, he looks up into the sky and he sees Santa like teleporting. And he's like, if Santa mm-hmm. can do it, so can I. Not paid and off on. So, th- so I thought the show was going it. to set up that Cal Penn's character was going to try to kill Santa to take over his spot as Santa. But that doesn't happen. No. And someone could have told him the Santa Claus, and then that would have been, he would have been a really scary villain. It kind of would have been cool. Well, we didn't really want to make a cool show. We wanted to make a heartwarming show, right? Mm. So Uh, you can't really make a warm show that's cool. Wow. Those are two ends of a spectrum. That's right. That, That just doesn't add up. Right. You know, surprisingly enough, on set, Cal was constantly trying to kill Tim Allen in real life. Wow. <laughs> because I assume that's why he took the job. When he when he took the job, he thought he was going to end the season as Santa. Uh-huh. And when he found out he, he wasn't, he was very, very angry. Mm-hmm. So he got it in his head that if he killed Tim, he, he would then become Santa in the show. And I kept saying... Cal, put the gun down. Put the gun down. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. he just kept at it. He just kept at Couldn't it. I can't believe note. we finished shooting. Take a note. He's a bad shot. He's just a bad shot. You know. <laughs> okay. I think maybe so he's, he was uh, shooting at Tim Allen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think he. I think Cal might be. Uh, might be a uh, token up a little bit too much, like uh, like his famous, like his famous. Oh, like Kumar, President Obama. Yeah, like President Obama. Yeah, like his his hero. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. I would just like to say Tim loved it. Oh. Tim, Tim loved the excitement. And also, the other thing that he loved is one of those bullets killed his uh, friend who he had the blood gambit with. Oh. So after episode four, Tim was free. Um, I see. And that's why it got really, really good. Around yeah, and that's about the time that him and Cal, you know, made up. Okay. Oh, and it shows. So nice. It shows on screen. Yeah. Okay, episode two is <laughs> the successes clause. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's take another quick break, and then we will come back for more recap. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. 
Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Okay, so we are at episode two. Mm -hmm. Santa, having just fallen off the roof... Is lying in the snow, but yeah. don't worry, he's not dead. He he was low key falling off, and then he fell off of the roof. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he returns to the North I Pole, and Elf Betty is like, "Look, let me tell you about something called the Successus Clause, where if Santa doesn't want to be Santa anymore, he can retire and choose a successor." Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Claus really likes this idea of him retiring and Betty and some of the other elves think it's a good idea too, because they've been noticing his magic faltering and, you know, Christmas spirits down, all that stuff. I just want to jump in really quick and say that, um, I, what I I really liked how Carol's, um, arc, which it really builds up to a, uh, callback to the Santa Claus too, that I forgot Mm. about where she fights large nutcrackers. But she, toy soldiers, uh, yeah. Toy soldiers. Sorry, my my bad. So that sorry, was so sorry. Yeah, that's my political correctness kicking in. Wow. But Carol, her whole thing is that she's, uh, you know, I I think that a lot of people will say falls into kind of empty girl boss stereotypes, but I didn't view it that way at all. She's just like you know, she's slowly forgetting who she was in in her earlier life, and so she's kind of just like walking around yelling about that. Mm-hmm. for about four episodes before anything really demonstrably changes. Sure. And I thought that was, you know, felt much like life. <laughs> True. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think a lot of this show is very slice of life uh, mm-hmm. when you peel back most of the layers. They're a bit of a modern family. Yeah, mm-hmm. a bit of a postmodern family even. Wow. Whoa. Holy Mom shit, Grace. This is why they pay you the big bucks. Yes. That was good. This is why they paid me. They were going to pay me a lot of money, which is good because that my salary was big enough so that when I for, for when I said to forego it, yeah. we were able to purchase the right side of the tiger. 
Right, but, right. Uh, I was like, that's big bucks. That's huge. <laughs> I wish I could give my kids a Christmas this year, but, you know, I have the tiger. <laughs> I think worth it. I think they understand. So, so Santa has the idea to retire, but still be able to stay in the North Pole. And how that's going to work is he's going to have his son, Charlie, him? be his successor. So he visits Charlie in Florida. There's a fun little Jurassic Park reference there. But Charlie doesn't want to do it. He's an adult now, and he has a his wife and kids and she's and, and let me just say though i think i found charlie's wife to be maybe maybe a bit shrill wow but you know i think at the end of the day women be like that <laughs> women famously be shrill so it, that tracks yeah it's so interesting that you read that character as his wife oh, oh was sorry. that not the intention they are two best friends platonically raising kids together Okay. Incredibly close-minded of me. I'm so sorry. I, they're in a platonic marriage, mm-hmm. so like legally, it is his wife. But sexually, emotionally, mm-hmm. they they wouldn't use those terms. I see. You know, oh. for each other. And this is actually huge because Charlie in this episode is the first ever gay Disney character. Oh wow! Who is married? To a woman that he, uh-huh. that uh, he's only had sex with twice. Wow! Oh, to, to have those children. To have the kids. Yeah, they did have <laughs> to sex have a the few kids. times. To have the kids. Yeah. Okay. Now say what you will about Charlie, but the man makes his shot. <clears throat> he, you know, and and I think that that's to be applauded. Uh, I think that's that's incredible. Congratulations on uh, making history in the Santa Claus. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. Santa Claus is. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, and I thought again. I'm like bringing my you know every man brain to 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 my viewing experience i thought you know for sure charlie's this is gonna be the only scene he's gonna be in a scene you could cut out no problem wouldn't matter mm-hmm. but he doesn't come back he doesn't you know and i think that that's really cool that he he made his decision he wanted to continue to peacefully co-parent in florida mm-hmm. and 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 bless him and uh, we didn't hear from him again it doesn't seem like you know like many of Tim Allen's kids, it doesn't seem like they really keep in touch. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a little girl from maybe Santa Claus 3 that was like his not his stepdaughter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. was it Charlie's stepsister? Yeah. No, well, it's, it's his oh, mom's yeah. kid. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so Scott Calvin is like, oh, well, if Charlie doesn't want to become Santa Claus, maybe my other son, Cal will want to become Santa Claus, but Cal doesn't want to either. And neither Cal mm. nor Sandra... He's too busy playing all those damn video games. Right. I love that arc for him. Yes. A lot of people, I think, thought that uh, the VR helmet was just like a a prop used in in uh, promotional images to, to just show that he was this techie guy, mm-hmm. but no, it's in every, ep- it's in every episode. Uh, it really is. It, we use it a lot. That's kind of his whole thing. Damn. Until he's able to replace the VR in, in front of his face mm-hmm. with a woman, which is, you know, like I mean, a those two things are interchangeable. Person. Yeah. Sure. Another game for him to play. Mm. I love giving him a game. (laughs) 
So Saw style. So Cal doesn't want to be Santa Claus, and neither Cal nor Sandra really like living in the North Pole, so they're also pro their dad retiring. Mm. Meanwhile, Christmas spirit continues to dwindle around the world, and this is something that they know because there's this, like, christmas orb mm-hmm. that the, the oh, yeah. brighter it shines the more christmas spirit there is the duller and darker it is the less christmas spirit there is however yeah something i notice is no matter how little christmas spirit there seems to be the orb always looks the exact same it doesn't seem to be getting any darker uh-huh. or lighter yeah. was this another creative choice or <laughs> it doesn't seem like they well... finished the effect <laughs> I basically, you 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 seem to have misunderstood the entire uh, plot oh, point. Okay, okay um, I'm sorry. Yes, it's, it's multiple times it says it's about the brightness, but one time, Betty or Kara Delvine, it was, and that she was played by Kara. We got Kara. That is Kara. Oh. This is like Martin Scorsese, like age technology. How did you do that? We we cut her up real good. Oh, you mean like cosmetic surgery? Yeah, we made her legs real short. Wow. Or would it be cosmetic surgery? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Am I am I still in the running for a, a job on season two? It's... You got it at this point. Okay. You oh, good. Got it. Oh. Yeah. Amazing. It's really, it's, it's really hard not to get pissed off about this as it's happening. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jamie. I don't mean to be gloating. No, it's all good. <laughs> But, uh, it's totally fine. She she at one point says that she's like, look, there's a black hole in the center, and it's getting mm-hmm. bigger. So really, I think it's if you notice, the hole gets slightly bigger, and then oh. all of a sudden it's just gone. Yeah. But so, <laughs> I, that. I think there's just like some miscommunication, but also mm. that is life. So we left I it mean, in there because sure. it is a slice of life. Yeah. And magic. <laughs> Works much like life. Of course. And the acting clearly telegraphed it because every time someone picked up the orb, they would say something like, oh no. And you're like, well, okay, now I understand. I guess that's how I'm supposed to feel. That's a bad way for the orb to look. Even at one point when Noel is hiding it behind his hand and then he reveals it, it kind of looks fine. It looks the same. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got, he's flashing it. He's got a flashlight. But even when he takes the flashlight away, it still looks the exact same. Right. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> remember like why that couldn't be the case because we have the absolutely iconic closing shot of episode three where it's like 90 seconds straight of just looking at the orb uh, and, and are you telling me nothing happens during that are you telling me um, it doesn't get darker during those 90 seconds? Are you telling me we're looking at essentially a static orb with nothing happening for a minute and a half? <laughs> for a minute and a half. I don't for, think for I me, would have that happen yes. on my television show. It would And I respect, I mean, all, all of the, uh, you know, ununionized and disrespected VR artists who had to work on this show, you know, I, I you can see that they certainly brought it to the intro <laughs> the opening credits because oh um, Caitlin and I were, were saying back and forth it was kind of like uh, body horror I think that it I, is the genre I would put the opening credits in but it was fascinating it was beautiful yeah. it was a visual feast I mean I like the CGI artists are they not unionized that's true but you said they're disrespected and I just don't I just don't think that's the case because Tim and his friends 
every time that they ran into the <laughs> CGI artist would be like, you know, good. You got a hot pair of shoulders on you. Oh, very complimentary. Yeah, yeah. it's like, mm. is that sexual? I don't know. It's shoulders. <laughs> like, it, I don't think so. I think that was just a nice thing to say. <laughs> I don't know. It's shoulders, the point is, and that's a classic uh, Hollywood phrase. You hear it. You hear that around all the time. <laughs> You've got good shoulders on your shoulders. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Santa Claus decides to officially retire for the sake of his family. He wants to spend more time with his family, and he announces this to his elves. They all throw a fit. Meanwhile, Cal Penn is still trying to figure out a way to solve his company's package delivery problem. Mm -hmm. And he wants to see if he can figure out a way to recreate Santa's delivery system. And then one of the elves, Edie, I believe is her name, goes to Cal Penn and abducts him and his daughter Grace and brings them to the North Pole. That's how episode two ends. Yeah, fun. Okay, episode three entitled into the wobbly woods so oh here we come here comes a plot witch <laughs> oh yes oh yes santa is packing up he's gearing up to leave cal penn and his daughter grace are now at the north pole santa interviews cal penn because he is a candidate to be a possible santa replacement as is who is that guy peyton manning some peyton manning Yes. Oh, come on. That was hilarious, Caitlin. Oh, sorry. It was pretty yeah. good. I was cracking up. I, I understood every joke and reference to his personal and public life. Mm. When he said, hey, don't let my wife know. I was like, oh, yeah. That's Peyton Manning, all right. Uh-huh. Were they just saying, did he cheat on his wife? This is a serious question. Did Were they joking about how he has cheated on his wife? What was that joke about? No, the joke was about how he is very devoted to her his wife oh well then i then i was laughing for the right reasons i just wanted to make sure i wasn't being and also this peyton manning sequence by god you could see you could see why this man was the is the greatest stand-up comedian of all time (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he was just so on the ball wow like he was so energized Mm -hmm. that guy was you know he must have ad-libbed one or two jokes even Incredible. Oh my God! I w- when he said Brady, I, I stood up and cheered. That's that Alan magic, baby. I was beside myself. I was like, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, as as a comedian myself, I, I, sometimes I can I find it really amazing to watch someone, you know, working at that caliber. But then there are moments, and I think this was one of them, where you just it it's almost like discouraging because you see that and you're just like, well, I can never good. do that. Yeah. I mean, what's the fucking point? You know, I, I got to see, I had the pleasure of getting to mm. see Tim, you know, mentor some of the younger actors on set. <laughs> Not actresses, yeah. just actors. And <laughs> he was he was talking to the, the kid we got playing, his son, Cal. Yeah. Um, who was also, you know, getting into stand-up. Oh, and good. And he said, listen, he said, listen, good. listen. Kid, this is my number one tip about doing stand-up comedy. And, he, and the kid was like, uh-huh. what? And he goes, don't do it. Ooh. And that that was inspiring to me because he was basically challenging this young man to 
not listen to him and mm-hmm. and prove himself by still going out and and doing it. Yeah. And I've been seeing him at open mics, so Yeah. Really? He's out there, he's doing it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I bet he has some good ideas. Is would you say that he's got like did Tim's politics rub off on him again? I kind of you know, that would be kind of awesome. <laughs> I mean, listen, we I I see the whole cast Every Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, I'll see them. We're recording on a Sunday, uh, so I'll see them later today at church. At our or like oh, oh no, at our Romney twenty twenty four planning meetings. Uh, <laughs> oh, cool! So I mean, we're that's, all kind I mean, of a church can be anything, on board, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, so here's what happens next: is that the interview that Cal gives to be a new a possible new Santa doesn't go well Mm -hmm. Uh, but then his daughter grace gets lost or they think that she's lost even though she's with sandra but santa and calpen go looking for her in the wobbly woods Mm. and guess who lives there a christmas witch christmas witch sorry not christmas switch which is sort of like a princess switch in my freaking dreams yeah witch and and she takes Santa and Calpen to her house, which is where Grace and Sandra are, because Sandra wanted to talk to the witch because Sandra has just discovered that she can hear animals talk, which is where we get the amazing, iconic reindeer voiced by... Cuba uh, Jr. You're my best as friend. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. And, um, or my best and friend. <laughs> That was really good. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And during this this you know adventure in the wobbly woods, Santa realizes that Cal Penn actually should be Santa. He would make a great Santa. And so he's Mm -hmm. like, Cal Penn, do it. And he's like, Okay, I'll do it. So and also in one of the many kind of feminist side quests that I'm sure Tim couldn't have been happy about, but Grace, I I was really heartened to see it. Um, Sandra hangs out with the witch this is not paid off on but it's just something for us to know yeah. that she hangs out with the witch because her parents don't understand her mm-hmm. well yeah also the witch teaches her of about womanhood and mm-hmm. uh, like just is a really important resource the witch is kind of the planned parenthood of <laughs> the north pole and um, she does have all the secrets yeah all of the all of the tools and resources yeah yeah meanwhile mrs claus has forgotten what everything Who she is. is and yeah. um she's not really able to parent right now she's she, yeah she, so, yeah so, so the witch is kind of her mother um yeah and doctor i thought that was gorgeous and everything <laughs> taking on all roles i like i liked the witch also i just wanted to shout out in episode three um caitlin you pointed this out to me in our texts as, as one of your favorites and i just wanted to make sure you got the opportunity to compliment uh, yes grace or the blood quantum guy i'm not really sure but uh nfts nutty fudgy tea cakes yes oh that was me that was 100 percent me <laughs> that yeah. was you. i mean well played i think uh NFTs are just such a funny thing to joke about, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also a great investment. So, <laughs> also, <laughs> uh, not a lot of things that are fun to joke about, and also a great investment. Mm-hmm. I would say pretty much, pretty much just 
NFTs and healthy relationships. Wow. Damn. Damn. There there she goes again. Blowing <laughs> my freaking mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so now that Santa has found his replacement, he's like, Okay, I'm ready to go. The elves give him a send off. I think this is the elves just wanna have fun dance like break oh. dancing this is, no this is doesn't isn't it like last christmas oh that's and, right okay and then, yes. oh yeah another expensive i think there's a total of three elf dancing sequences because there's also yeah. a really menacing one in the last episode where yeah. the elves are just coming slowly coming toward the calvin family mm-hmm. and then they spell satan instead of santa which i did laugh at and it's important too because it just shows this is kind of Noel's big time to shine, True. who is Santa's mm-hmm. best friend and yeah. married to the head elf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his kind of arc is is realizing that, like, he should spend more time with his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of <laughs> mirroring <laughs> Santa's arc. I will say, something that's never worked for me in this franchise is having children pretend to be in centuries-long marriages together. It's just never quite hit for me, but I know people's mileage will vary on, on that. Well, you know, we never had marriage be a part of it until until the show, mm-hmm. and we decided to have marriage be a thing that we bring up constantly in this show. <laughs> yes. Um, and... I think it works. <laughs> we'll never forget how in the first movie, Scott Calvin says something to a child playing an elf. And then she thinks that he's hitting on her. And she says, no, thanks. I'm seeing someone in rapping. So elf we d- dating. Dating, yes. But, but actually, not marriage. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 elf marriage was legalized relatively recently at our North Pole. Um, that's kind of their version of gay marriage. Now, being gay is still not a thing up there. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, they're a couple centuries behind. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Santa and his family leave. Well, they're transported magically to Chicago to live their new non-Santa lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's how episode three ends. Episode four entitled the shoes off the bed clause which is a reference to a <laughs> throwaway line <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything what is that a reference to i str- i struggled with that so there's a scene well if i may grace yeah. not to explain well, go ahead. <laughs> your show in front of you there's a moment where uh, scott calvin is talking to carol and He's like, my whole life has just been a, or I guess my career as Santa has been mm-hmm. a series of clauses. And so he's then, he then recaps the first three movies. And then he's Helpful. like, I don't even, like, he, he's basically just conflicted about, like, his career as Santa and then also what he's supposed to do now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you still got the shoes off the bed clause because they're sitting on a bed and I guess he has his shoes on and i think that's her way of telling him to get his shoes off the bed mm-hmm. that was my interpretation can you confirm or deny see this is dense Grace. well oh. i would say that <laughs> that's all correct okay but if you if you call it a throwaway line mm, my mistake not only do i think you don't get the show i don't <laughs> I, I don't think you get how 
writing works. Hey, Grace, could I just say really quick, I didn't think it was a throwaway line. I thought it was important. I take full responsibility. Well, I think that the, the race that might have a, for the, for a job on season two might have a, oh, no. a, a, a new host of the Bechtel cast in the lead. Okay. Now, okay. I should note that I'm just talking about the race between you two. The broader race of writers we're considering, many are in front. But um, oh, <laughs> when it comes to you two specifically. Okay. So yeah. we're like in a game of Mario Kart where we're neck and neck. Like 11th and 12th place. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, and sometimes I get a couple feet ahead. I mean, that's a, gr- that's a great analogy. You keep going there and you might okay. almost get the job, man. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I oh, just, shit. I'm just trying to get into Cal's head because he loves video games so much, you know? Because I just love this. Sh- I just love this show and the world it builds and the world it builds and then <sighs> ignores. Wow. Brown noser. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so what happens then, Caitlin? I'll tell you. Okay. So episode four, Shoes Off the Bed Claws. Uh, we're at the North Pole. Cal Penn's character is ready to put on the Santa coat and become Santa Claus. But oh no, the Santa coat is missing. He gives a speech to the elves. Mm-hmm. Betty and Noel, again, they're the married ones, uh, hate this new Santa. And Betty is all like, where is your coat, you shithead? And he's like, I don't know, I lost it. And then also he's like, I have an idea. What if Christmas was every day 365 days a year which i sort of was like that was an episode of the fairly odd parents but i appreciated i thought it was kind of an homage to that oh yeah yeah um in the universe of the santa clauses the fairly odd parents doesn't exist oh oh see so that's why there's so many things that are different due to the global impact of the fairly odd parents (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. the only the only um intellectual properties that exist in the santa claus universe are other Disney-owned properties. So, you know, there's a reference to Buzz Lightyear. There's many Star Wars references. There are many Mm -hmm. uh, Marvel references. Mm -hmm. And I think that's brave. Yes, it was was a challenge given to us by the executives. Mm -hmm. And honestly, they said we we did a little too much. And that made (laughs) me feel really good. See, I disagree. I... I, uh... I could have used more. I heard tell that there's a deleted scene where Scott Calvin's talking to a man in Chicago and the man says the phrase Star Trek to him. And then Scott Calvin holds him against a wall and spits in his face and says, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. And then pushes him over. Is that true? That's not a scene we shot, but it is a thing that happened on set. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. God, these Hollywood gossip, I mean, on Dumois, they really catch everything. It's wild. Wow. Yeah. Okay. In Chicago, Scott Calvin and his family are trying to adjust to their new lives. Mm-hmm. Sandra makes some friends. She also talks to a horse. Ugh, I wanted her to have her horse. The girls are thriving in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Sandra's a horse girl. It was really genuinely nice to see Carol be loved appreciated and accepted by her community again and i just wondered as i was watching i couldn't help but wonder um will this all be completely taken away from her in a matter of days yes yes it is true Uh, and i think we all know that it is our responsibility like we Mm -hmm. as women 
mm-hmm. are here to have things taken from us. Mm-hmm. Is that good or bad? It just is. <laughs> just another question that the show poses. <laughs> that doesn't answer. But it, ha- but it happens. It certainly happens. Yeah. A woman's yes. place is at the pole. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. have been saying that for generations. <laughs> Um, okay, so yes, uh, Sandra is making some friends. Some of them are with human girls. Some of them are with horses. Mm-hmm. Cal, he loves ordinary human stuff. He also has a crush on a girl from school. Mm-hmm. Carol is looking to get a job as a school principal again. At a charter school, which I thought was a little fun dash of evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know... My kids go to charter schools. Uh, oh, crap. So, again, I, I'm so fucking so, embarrassed. Like, Caitlin took the lead me, again. Me and the other some other parents in my neighborhood, mostly who work in TV and film, mm-hmm. uh, we did not like that we couldn't completely control the elementary school, the public elementary school. In our, so we mm-hmm. formed a charter school together. Mm-hmm. With some of our own money and a lot of the government's money, it was pretty easy to get our hands on, actually. Uh, wow. Nice. And, uh, pretty much just our kids get to go to it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, very exclusive. That's amazing. And and it really works for our family. Okay, yeah. okay. I guess what I'm saying is, what did you mean, Dash of Evil? <laughs> oh, no, I, I said uh, Dash of Awesome. It's the oh, AirPods. Dash of Awesome. <laughs> and then she wants to be the principal of a charter school what a dash of awesome yeah yeah and that's like it's phrases like that that i could bring to season two that's a real dash of awesome yeah that's great i love that phrase really? i'm gonna start using oh. it all of the time maybe a good no. episode title i don't know hey am dash of awesome am am are you here hey am <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to remember it now. Don't worry. We're recording this. We're recording this. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. I just really want to tell them that. Okay. But, you know, it's kind of funny because M hates that I, I wanted to send the kids to a charter school. They think that's bad. Um, so hmm. relationships are tough, you know. And that's so much of what the show is about. Yeah. Whether you're elves or you're Scott Calvin and Mrs. Claus. Who gives a shit what yeah. her first name is? Is where the show kind of lands. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or 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 you're a very special elf that we're about to get to. Mm. <gasps> I can't. Wow. Okay. So the rest of Scott Calvin's family is thriving in their new Chicago lives, mm-hmm. but Scott Calvin is like, wow. I guess since I'm not Santa anymore, I'm not special. Mm. And then he ends up getting a job as an everything now delivery driver but then he gets fired shortly thereafter mm-hmm. and so he's like oh my gosh what do i even do with my life now in the north pole betty and noel are trying to stop cal pen santa who is just like wiling out as santa claus and the elves realize that this new Santa is destroying Christmas spirit even further. Mm. And some of the elves are disappearing, either like off screen or we see some of them like vanish into thin air before our very eyes. Really cool CG there where <laughs> when an elf disappears, mm-hmm. they'll kind of just stop in place and go, <gasps> and they'll dissolve <laughs> into the air. I liked yeah. that. I thought that was really cool. To get to get the kids playing the elves to give authentically scared uh, reactions to that, yeah. we locked them in 
dark rooms for Whoa. a couple of days. Whoa. That's intense. So that they could experience the yeah. void. They had water. Well, wait, I just want to make sure that this is... And they had bread. I just want to make sure everyone's taken care of. You would have their tutors go into the dark room and, and teach them, right? Uh, they have to go to school. It doesn't matter how much light is in the room. As far as, That's my understanding. Well, that's why we did it on, on the weekend. Oh, <laughs> and that is legal. Okay, amazing. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Got it, got it. And also, they learned a lot. The dark, the darkness is a clever professor. <laughs> wow, thank you, Neil Gaiman. Okay. okay. The darkness is my tutor. Lo- loneliness can be the greatest tutor of all. Okay, I'm good. about to get that tattooed on my back and posted to Tumblr. Holy shit. Wow. Good stuff. Okay, so then Cal Penn Santa fires Betty. And then so she goes to the Christmas witch and says, hey, I need to get in touch with him. Mm. But not Scott Calvin, the other him. And we're like, hmm, wonder if she's talking about Bernard. And guess what? She is. Because the episode ends with back in Chicago, Scott is like, okay, family, let's spend Christmas together. But then time freezes and some mysterious person has come to pay Scott a visit. I'm kicking the air at this point. Ooh, who could it be? There was a moment where I knew I knew who it was, but I was like, what if it's Neil? What if it's Neil? <sighs> that would be... It's not Neil. Upsetting. Kind of wanted it to be Neil, but uh, I was happy it was Bernard. That would be pretty great. And, you know, there were versions of the script where it was Neil as a kind of... <laughs> As a as a Hanukkah Harry type character. Oh, cool! The movies weren't brave enough to have a Jewish character, but we finally were going to be. It, but we got the no. We got a solid no on that from various mm. different people above me. Um, All right. But, well, you know. I was thrilled to see Bernard return. Yes. And of course, he could still get it after all these years. Yes. Okay. So this is episode five now across the Yule verse. I love that. I was like, you know, just introduce a multiverse plot at this point. Might as well. I was saying to myself, <laughs> and then they did. But it's, but you know, I think, <laughs> you know, the, the name of that would suggest it's a multiverse, but it actually isn't at all. It actually oh, is just okay. a room. <laughs> so what could you could you explain that? So, uh, are you Catholic? No, uh, thank you so much for asking. Um, no, I, I was. Uh, I, I went to a Protestant congregational church as a child. Okay. And now I own one. Uh, are you Catholic, Caitlin? No, I was raised as an atheist. Brag. So neither of you are confirmed in the Catholic Church. That is true. We should have. Oh, I Caitlin. think that it would be inappropriate for me to explain to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the inner workings of. Of how this mythology works, because right. it's really stuff you're only supposed to know if you're confirmed in the church. Uh, I know. Oh, okay. And uh, my uh, priest is already pretty mad at me about the trans stuff. I, I don't want him to get pissed at me about spilling the beans here, too. Mm. But I think any Catholic who sees episode five of the Santa Clauses will understand it pretty easy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, all right. Thank you. I mean, then thank you for doing that, because I, like... I'm always trying to learn, and that's why I keep coming back to this franchise year after year is to learn, and and that's 
That's really cool. I, I will uh, I will say that one note we've gotten uh, from the fans is if Scott's the first human Santa Claus, mm-hmm. what about the saint who became Santa, the first Santa? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he human? Wow. And then people also ask, what do you mean other real beings? What were the other... What, what does that mean? What are, are they angels? Are they... What, what does that term mean? They're just like general mystical creatures. Yeah. If if they are mystical and magical, why did there have to be multiple of them through the years? Um, Interesting. Well, these are some questions that the show does kind of answer. Right. The, the, the answer the show gives is like each Santa is there for its specific time period. Mm. But the real answer is found <laughs> in the glory of and perfection of the Catholic Church's mysticism and writing. Mm. I see. God. All right. Well, the sh- the explanation the show gives we're about to get to because what happens is this mysterious person who has showed up to visit Scott Calvin is Bernard the Elf, Ugh. and the show explains why he looks to be about forty four years old mm-hmm. because that's how old David Crumholtz is. Uh, the explanation the show gives is that. Bernard fell in love with a human woman Mm -hmm. and gave up being an immortal elf. And so that's why he has aged. But not just any human woman. Vanessa Redgrave. Vanessa Redgrave. (laughs) I mean, I... Uh-huh. We have no choice but to, you know, really be rooting for this relationship. I wish... I wish that we... Now, season two, this is a pitch. I think we should see them have sex. (laughs) Oh, listen... If you're watching the if you're if you're if your eyes are peeled in the last episode, mm-hmm. you might get a little glimpse of it in the background. No oh, geez, way. I, missed it. I don't want to oh give away every Easter egg, but the scene where Cal goes to the snow globe warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just say one of those snow globes might have Bernard absolutely giving it to Vanessa from the front and then the back and then in the mouth. Wow. They really found each other. I think that that is so, like, aspirational. It's nice. Um, incredible. Uh, okay. And then so... I like that Scott said, no, she's an Oscar winner. And I was like, well, I didn't know that. And I come here to learn. Wow. I come here to laugh, to cry, to care, to learn. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Bernard is like... Oh, Scott Calvin, you think it was mere coincidence that you became Santa Claus? And then he takes Scott into the Yule-verse, which we thought was a Santa multiverse, um, but apparently that is incorrect, and we won't know the answer. Not even a little bit. Unless we're Catholic, so I'm starting the process of converting to Catholicism as we speak. Um, But until then, um, it, it is what seems like a multiverse. And there... Scott meets some of the previous Santas, including the one he replaced, as well as Krampus and St. Nicholas himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out that Scott becoming Santa was no accident. He was chosen as the first human Santa Claus so that he would raise a family in the North Pole and that his kids would develop magic powers question mark and they also and wanted also him... because because he could do technology because he <laughs> yeah because yes because apparently the elves are really good at tech stuff but Santa the mortal angel creature Santa 
Yeah, and when I say apparently, I mean these are decisions we made in the room. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh-huh. And good decisions. I think they are, I would call them a dash of awesome, I, to borrow Jamie's phrase. Thank you for crediting. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, of course. I, I was, I, And I found myself during this episode wondering, what happened to the council that we met two movies in a row? That is a great um, question. With, with the holiday character council. But then, you know, by the end of the episode, I found myself thinking, and let me know if this was the intent, Grace. Ah, who cares? Yeah. And that's kind of where I left it. We didn't get to get into it this season, but essentially paganism has been defeated by the time of the Santa Claus's series. Oh, wow. And Catholicism has won. Um, <laughs> and Mother Earth and her demon um, cohort uh, yeah. have died and been buried wow. uh, under a mountain of ice. Wow. Wow. Well, th- thank you. Thank you for that. I got to re Oh god. I got to rewatch it again, you know, with 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 fresh eyes. That's really exciting. <laughs> with now having that that knowledge. Yeah. Okay, so Scott Calvin was chosen as Santa for these incredible reasons. And then all the Santas are like, "Scott, you got to go back to the North Pole and save Christmas." So he heads to the North Pole with Noel to confront Calpen Santa who puts Scott in Santa jail along with this elf named Gary, who is like a elf cop. Oh, Gary. Grace, I got to be honest. Gary, I was having a hard time with Gary. I And it's not the actor's fault. I blame the direction on this one, to be honest, because he's talking like they're trying to make a 12-year-old talk like he's been smoking since he served in the Vietnam War. And it just like doesn't quite work. He's like, hey, Santa. And he does that like for, uh, you know, for three episodes. And I was I was struggling with it, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Thanks for telling me that. It's interesting (laughs) to hear that you think it doesn't work because it does. (laughs) Well, see, I was going to say I do think it works. And maybe that pulls me into 11th spot again. I think you're at least neck and neck. Okay. okay, okay. I shouldn't have said anything, and I'm I'm so... I think it's just I let my feelings for Crouton and how fond I am of that character with three lines. But for some reason, they put her name. Every time someone speaks to her, they say, thanks, Crouton. And she goes, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every elf has their thing. Yeah. No, <laughs> Hers is her name's Crouton. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so meanwhile, back in Chicago... Carol, Sandra, and Cal are also trying to get to the North Pole to help mm-hmm. using Christmas magic that Sandra and Cal do have, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Sandra's ability to talk to animals, which has already been set up several times. And Cal's is like GPS. Like Cal, he- <laughs> Cal has the ability to see the Christmas vortexes that allow Santa to teleport around the world. Useful. However, this is only just now established in this very moment, whereas Sandra's magic had been previously established. And I thought that was a really interesting creative choice as well centering women well centering women. we we ha- we did we did we did say earlier in the series that cal was having weird dreams where he was santa that yeah is that the same thing as being able to see these portals in my opinion yes so <laughs> i just thought that was a puberty thing i don't know like <laughs> you know when kids say. hit puberty they start to dream about 
being Santa just felt like a normal. Mm. I certainly went through that phase. Yeah. Yeah, they start to dream about being Santa. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Delivering their package, huh? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, think... don't be crude, is what I'm saying, JB. Could you not be crude about the show for our families? <laughs> no, I'm so I'm I'm really sorry. I didn't. That was crass, and I think I just got the wrong idea of the tone when the first episode was called "Good to Ho," and sometimes I just like I'm trying to figure out where the line is. Well, you know, you can't always judge a TV series by the name of its episode and how the characters act. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. And everything that true. happens in it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think we're in episode six now, which is Oof. entitled A Christmas to Remember, mm-hmm. where Scott's family shows up at the North Pole. And with the help of Noel, they break Scott out of Santa jail. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cal Penn discovers that whoever wears Santa's coat controls the North Pole as if he didn't already control it. So Kelpen is looking for the coat. He's yelling at his daughter, Grace. He's being extra scary. But the coat had run away to the Christmas witch's house. And so... Crawled away, really. Kind of has like a battle crawl. <laughs> kind of army crawled, yeah. Moved pretty slow, too. Not moving very fast. Kind of shocking no one saw it leaving. <laughs> right? Yeah. So Scott and his family go to look for the coat. Uh-huh. But Cal Penn has unleashed the army of toy soldiers from Santa Claus 2? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is yes. that correct? Okay. But Carol kicks their ass, which is, I guess, a callback also to Santa Claus 2. Well, what I what I really liked about that sequence is that she sort of... What's helpful for me about episode 6 is that as people are doing things, they're stating the theme that they're addressing as they're doing it. So like Carol, you know, if if I didn't if I wasn't told this at length, oh, I have a name now. I am annoyed. I have had it. Nice to see you again. You know, it's like I'm given all the information I need. Mm -hmm. And I actually find that if that had been given to me over time or like Mm -hmm. in a visually interesting way, I wouldn't have liked it. I like I like Mm -hmm. the lady from Lost just being like, I know that I wanted to be girl boss Santa, but that I was dead ass wrong. I actually don't Mm. want a career. I don't want friends. I like my life that I hated as it was exactly the same because you'll think if you know, you think, I mean, maybe this is a season two question. If Carol stays there, she'll just forget her name again. But we don't know. Yeah, uh, none of that's interesting to me. Um, <laughs> but but oh, I, what was interesting was the toy soldiers, mm-hmm. you know, have been locked in <laughs> that closet, sent Santa Claus to, mm-hmm. and they're sentient, so they've just been locked in that darkness. As I said earlier, we made all the elves who get disappeared be locked in dark rooms for just a couple of days over the weekend. Mm-hmm. When they put two and two together and saw that that is what had been done to these soldiers, mm-hmm. they started weeping and crying and vomiting. And it actually lost us a couple of days of filming because of that. Oh, gee. Wow. Shout out to the reindeer named Vomit. That's a fun yeah. little... That's comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Okay, so Scott and Cal Penn both come across the Santa coat at the same time, but Cal Penn gets to it first, and he's about to destroy it so as to prevent Scott Calvin from becoming Santa again. But then his daughter, Cal Penn's daughter, Grace, shows up, and now I'm just now putting together that 
well, I'm speculating here, but Grace, did you name that character, Grace, after yourself? I did, because yeah. my dad died when I was young, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, what what if this was a version of me whose mom died? Mm-hmm. And I feel like if my mom had died, you know, my dad would have probably not have been an alcoholic anymore. And basically it started Amazon. So that was kind of the concept of the character. Uh, okay. So Grace, the character, shows up and she's like, Cal Penn, you're being a really bad dad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, damn, you're right. And so he kind of like concedes. But then the North Pole kind of like <laughs> rumbles a little bit as if it's in danger. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, gosh, we have to find the Christmas orb. And they find it, but it's completely dark now, which means the Christmas spirit has completely run out. And Scott's like, oh my gosh, this is my fault. I shouldn't have retired. I shouldn't have run away when things got a little difficult. And so he brings everyone in for a hug, his whole family, the remaining elves, mm-hmm. and Cal Penn's character and his daughter Grace. And that hug revives the Christmas spirit And then all the elves who had vanished reappear, and Christmas is saved. But, oh no, Christmas is in three hours, so Scott puts on the Santa coat and becomes Santa again. Okay, but can we talk about that effect, though? That effect where Tim Allen's face is completely still, it's not showing an emotion, Mm -hmm. but something, something happened there. Something really took place. I can't really describe it. You know, I think some of the most beautiful things you'll see in your life, you can't necessarily put into words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The <laughs> words how I would describe words it. cannot describe the absolute beauty we see during this sequence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Scott is transformed, transformed back into Santa, and he takes his whole family with him to deliver gifts around the world for all the children. And that's mm. how season one ends. Not just any gifts, though. Snow globes with the snow globes with the Christmas memories in them, including the one where Bernard is having sex with. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) one kid is about to have a difficult. Does this expose magic to the world? A bit, yeah, I think maybe we'll see. We'll see in season two. But also, I think that it might just suggest to these families that the Panopticon has won. Mm. So season two will. Have you guys seen Homeland? Yeah. No. Yeah, Mandy Patankin. I Season two of the Santa Claus is going to have big Homeland vibes. <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. that's so great. I just, look, I just, like, don't count us out. We would love to, like, we get that, like, this is an unconventional episode of our show. It's more of a kind of a behind-the-scenes promotion for art we, you know, we here at the Bexelcast love to, like, promote art we believe in. You know, it comes down to the samples, you know? Mm -hmm. Your reps are going to send your samples in, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to read the first two or three pages of those and a few dozen other ones. And uh, we'll see which first couple of pages really hit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, totally. Um well, well, look, I, I do have a question, and it's, does this pass the, does this pass the Bechtel test? <laughs> Grace, can you actually give us some insight into that? Um, I do think, in fact, it does pass the Bechtel test, mm-hmm. maybe even a couple of times. I was getting that feeling. One specific time is, does it pass the Bechtel test when Mrs. Claus is talking to, like, the head elf, 
And she's like, has there been a head elf before? Or no, has there been a Mrs. Claus before? And that I think passes. they only talk about Mrs. Claus. Yeah, I think that, yeah. I yeah. love, it's a good pass because they're talking about how her character doesn't really exist, uh, really. Mm-hmm. Which I think is fascinating. Yeah. I, th- I think, that, I thought that was really cool. I believe it also passes between uh, between Mrs. Claus and Crouton. It does. A time or two. Crouton's like, may I please have a hug? They also talk about monogrammed towels. That's true. And I think when Sandra talks to that one reindeer I do think that responds you're my best friend that does pass the Bechdel test too. even though it's a male coded reindeer it, oh I, but it's not it is not a male reindeer great because, oh my god um, genius but you don't know that because you didn't see the reindeer sex scene that was in there when we had the oh. that that sub sub subplot still in. that's right right and hopefully there's a we can i mean you could use that footage in a snow globe later so you know sure no waste yes i think it also passes between sandra and the witch it actually kind of passes a lot that's true. and then also there's an elf we haven't talked about before the woke elf edie oh she's, yeah. a, she's a bit too woke for her own good there's no longer a naughty list it's the misunderstood list yeah I hope everyone who watches that the show, when they saw that scene, they were they were thinking, the show is saying this is good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the the show, yeah, which takes a pretty hard stance against wokeness, for lack of a better term, um, so bizarre. Yeah. Thinks that that's awesome. Let me just read a couple other lines uh, from the show. Yeah, and then to be to be, to be clear, Grace, we are like loving this is a list of things we loved yeah these are my these are the best parts of the show yeah when when scott calvin is like we can't set deer free in cities hipsters will just put fedoras on them yeah that that was really awesome um someone says to scott calvin it might have been noel he's like what kind of monster eats a carrot and then scott calvin says hippies and vegans hippie <laughs> vegans mm-hmm. and he says that with disgust yeah as he should mm-hmm. there's the yeah um oh so, some people might say that labeling a child as naughty just for having a temper tantrum is brat shaming mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so that was another good line tell them mm-hmm. there's the f- famously the uh house christmas spirit and santa says oh fine except saying merry christmas to all has suddenly become problematic yeah so i mean you know end of the day this country was founded on certain principles <laughs> and I, I think we we simply strive to to replicate that in our show sure that genuinely sounds like a hollywood reporter headline head writer of the santa clauses this country was founded on certain principles. <laughs> it's the truth. On Santa principles. It's God singular. It's God's honest truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, any, any other any other uh, good ones, Caitlin? Well, um, these are just some of my favorite, just flat out jokes. Okay. Because the comedy in this show is rich. Nonstop. Um. When the elves say, elves got an elf, many times. Um, Wait just a taffy-licking minute. I wrote that Um, down, too. Oh, the doctor says, I have ASS. 
acute squawk syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, Funny. Let's see. Oh, Santa says, I've got the body of an MMA fighter, not an M&M eater. I also loved that you can tell Santa is doing a bad job if he gets fucking jacked. That <laughs> um, logic totally scanned for me. And I didn't yeah. find the clear, bizarre prosthetics that uh, Tim Allen was wearing to make himself look jacked. I didn't find those alarming. I thought I found them uplifting and maybe even, you know, a few other things. But Grace said, you know the kids show well i would say the the show's whole approach to um body image and fat positivity and and things like that Uh i would say the show's handling all these things very very well and responsibly in almost every episode i would say that yeah yeah Yeah. it comes up in every episode and it always goes well and it always is really good and awesome yeah wow (laughs) i simply couldn't ask for a better christmas present they my two good friends, Jamie and Caitlin, going through all of the best jokes from my big television show. Hey, wait just a tabulating hey. minute. Which is going to be an issue because if if M doesn't if I if if I don't get a, a better present from my partner mm-hmm. on actual Christmas, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna yell. I'm gonna be so oh, I'm gonna be so mad. Oh, don't yeah. No, I don't want that to you've, happen. You've set the you've set the bar so high. <laughs> I just don't know if they'll be able to to jump if over could, it. If you could just like not let M know that we had this conversation. Okay, I'm not okay. Nice. I won't yell, but I, the, I I'm not. I can't stop myself from crying. That's involuntary. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay. See, that's maybe I and, and I hope that we do get more crying in Santa Claus's season two. Yeah, I really do. I hope we get Neil in season two. I'm crossing my fingers for Neil and Linda. If we're lucky, was her name Linda? Am I remembering that correctly? Um. Oh, his ex-wife. His, yes, his ex-wife. Uh, his ex-wife. I don't think Laura. I would. I would give her a Laura. name in our show. Oh yeah, take it away. So I, I kind of yeah. She divorced but Santa. Yeah. Neil heads. I think if uh, if Judge her Judge her Judge Reinhold, mm-hmm. you found it, <laughs> can <laughs> find it in his heart uh-huh. to apologize to Tim Allen for voting for Obama in 2012, mm. then we might get a little bit of a Neil sighting next season. We'll see. see. And okay. I hope that he apologizes. And if if I, if if if. Tim's reputation is as I believe it is. He's gonna make Judge apologize in canonically on camera for doing that. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. I mean, Tim must have been giving Cal Penn a hard time, real hard time, mm. which might have been one of the reasons why Cal again tried to assassinate him a number right. of times on set. Right. With the the drama. God. I mean, hmm. Caitlin, I know you have you have to go relatively soon, right? <laughs> That's true. Okay. L- look, I I mean, does anyone else have final sort of notes to make on this cuz it's like I mean, I could I could keep going. I have I so many I think it's time to give a nipple grade, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I'm giving this a show that I made 10 nips out of 10. Wow. Okay. There's only 5 you can that give, but I exactly it feels how right. Our scale. It feels right. I'm going to yeah. give it 10 as well. Oh, okay. Uh, well, since my candidacy as a staff writer on season two of The Santa oh, Clauses is at oh, stake, shit. I will also be giving it 
10 out of 10 nipples because that's oh. famously our scale. Caitlin, you could have given it 11 and taken the lead. I was hoping you were going to actually do 11 or uh, yeah. I... Oh, See, no. See, Grace, we're oh. so on the same page, and that's why yeah, I really feel like I'm a good candidate for the gosh. job. Oh, my gosh. Look, here, let me just pay one last compliment to the show. I really thought, and we, we already hinted at this, but I thought the characterization of of Mrs. Claus, of Carol, and her inner struggle of, mm. oh, who am I? I've lost my identity because I've just kind of been wrapped, so wrapped up as Mrs. Claus. And, and I, and were there even Mrs. Clauses before me? You know, she's mm-hmm. doing some investigating. She's in, she's active in the pursuit of knowledge. Yeah, She doesn't like how Mrs. Clauses have been perceived in the past she's like what somehow i'm humorless while still providing comic relief and providing comic relief is famously mrs claus's role there so that all makes sense um but you know she just doesn't like that she's this underappreciated uh figure in christmas lore and then she's like you know what i'm gonna take this opportunity to be a school principal again and then that which she was happy doing before she met scott Right. And but then she realizes, wait a minute, I shouldn't have a job or an identity of my own because I'm Santa's wife. Yeah. His wife. I thought that was amazing. And she and that's good. One thing I thought was really cool in terms of just like not doing the obvious thing was like, okay, you have Mm -hmm. Mrs. Claus and you have this Christmas witch. Right. And and they're both judged pretty harshly based on old gendered tropes. And I thought maybe they'll talk about this. But then they never talk to each other once. And there's actually a couple I think at the climactic scene, they're standing next to each other, but they never speak. And I thought that the restraint was really cool. I thought it was awesome. That would have just taken up unnecessary space in the show. We don't need to be. Well, it's more so that we wanted to make a commentary on. We wanted to comment on how maybe women should be more active in freeing Mm. themselves of these bad things. Yeah. And it was a choice for them not to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe that's on them. That's on them. Yeah, absolutely. They should have leaned in harder. Well, but yeah, watch the Santa Clauses, everybody. It's on <laughs> Disney Plus now, and there's gonna be a season two if TV still exists next year. So that's gonna rock. Wow. Is there anything else you would like to plug, Grace? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Girl God is my comedy duo uh, with April Clark. And we, we've got a, like, I don't know, follow me on Twitter if that's still a thing. I don't even, I don't know how to promote things right now. Uh, Mm. Oh, we're going to be in Vancouver in uh, February. So am I. Oh, are you going to be at GFL? No, I don't get invited to things like that. Um, But I'll just be there hanging out, doing some shows. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, we're doing GFL, Vancouver. Um, So that'll be fun. And... And we're also going to be at the Kennedy Center on like February yes. like 11th, I think, in DC. And then we can we got this big other thing happening after that. And uh, yeah, just be, yeah, you know, be, be on the lookout for that. But <laughs> okay, um, go for forever, baby. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. Oh my gosh, thanks for this coming. This is fun. Us. I'm so glad we'll have a whole nother season to talk about. <laughs> 
it is starting to feel like I mean like what's the word for a good curse is it just a tradition (laughs) (laughs) I think so you called me Neil Gaiman earlier like come on that was more Neil Gaiman than the darkness is my mentor Grace what's the word for a good curse is it just a tradition (laughs) yeah imagine if I had a bird head and then that would be really fucking profound (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And then, I mean, you can catch Jamie and I, fingers crossed, as writers on season two of The Santa Clauses. Mm-hmm. You can also um, follow us on social media at Bechtelcast. Come see us on tour. Mm-hmm. Come see us on tour on the West Coast. We're going to be in L.A., San Francisco at Sketchfest, and we'll be in Portland and Seattle. You can still get some tickets, although they're running rather low. Sorry. Act fast. Yeah. And then we've also got our Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. Two bonus episodes every single month, plus access to the back catalog for five American dollars a month. It's true. Oh, I just wanted to say, too, that uh, the star of the Santa Clauses himself, Tim Allen, is on Twitter. Do not, please don't follow him. Please don't follow uh, him. Please don't check that out. He's Mm-mm. only got bad don't. ideas. Please, please, no, yeah. he's got good ideas. I didn't say he had bad ideas. I'm sorry, I'm saying, sorry, if you're listening to this, just don't go check it out and don't follow him. Thank you. Well, good ideas such as, uh, what is Communism, it? Karl Marx. Karl Marx Wikipedia. Yeah. Communism, Karl Marx Wikipedia. If you say that over and over and over, fast and faster and faster and faster, you will start to float off the ground like Scott Calvin does. When he's good to hoe. Yeah, and it's sick as hell. <laughs> it's fucking it's cool. awesome. Well, another perfect And then episode. also our Tee Public store oh, yeah. is at teepublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. And there's some new designs that Jamie designed. So Ooh, scoot on over there. Check those out. Grab some shirts and some pillows and whatnot. And um, hey, we'll see you in the new year and grace hey. we'll uh you'll be back next year whether you like yeah. it or not i am i am i my we we forge our chains in life don't yes we? like the hot dog stand we wear the chains yeah. we forge in life yeah. <sighs> hard agree all right okay, on that bye. note Get merry christmas to all no that's problematic oh, okay. now oh, you can't geez. say that anymore grace you can't seasons greetings uh, happy holidays okay bye 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 <laughs> Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.